I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, peeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they crowd. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue. Commission as a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network. I am your host, Rocky Petrella at Dynasty FF Addict. As mentioned on the previous episode, Dustin will not be able to make it tonight, but I got a, an all-star crew here with me to help me out. Uh, we're going, uh, as I mentioned, it's going to be more typical format uh, that as opposed to what we did on the last episode. And we're doing the last in our series of uh, positional groups. We did running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. Tonight's going to be quarterbacks. And who better to talk about quarterbacks than a bunch of guys from the Superflex Super Show. So we got uh, Brian Har. Brian, how you doing? Rated Har Superstar. I'm in the <laughs> building tonight. I'm feeling good. Actually, I'm feeling like crap, but that's okay. I'm excited to be here again. This is my favorite show. I love this show. I am so pumped. <laughs> yep, Brian was on back way back on episode two. He also does the drops, which we're going to have him do live tonight instead of uh, putting the drops in. And we got James the Brain. James, how you doing? James the Brain! <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing really good, man, Rocky. I'm, I'm excited to be on here. And uh, I just want everyone to know who's listening along and, and watching along that I am going to be challenging Brian Har to a, a contest to see who can eat the most cough drops during the <laughs> podcast. I, I'm going for 50, Brian, the big 5-0, so bring it. Brian, Brian's got his, got his pack of ludens. <laughs> <laughs> and we also got Ethan Turner. Ethan, how's it going? The doctor. <laughs> I'm good, man. It's funny. I'm the only one that's healthy. I am actually a doctor. So uh, obviously these two don't listen to my advice. They haven't been wearing their masks. They've got the COVID. They shouldn't even be on the show, but we're here to talk about quarterbacks and you don't have to be healthy to do that. Okay. So let's get right into it, guys. Um, Brian, we're going to go right into our fantasy face-off. So give me that drop. Fantasy face-off. And this week uh, we went with Two quarterbacks, obviously. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa. Did I say that right, Ethan? You did. I'm okay. a skipper about that. So I'm glad <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> Tua Tungavailoa versus Daniel Jones. Uh, ADP, they're pretty close. Tua is uh, in the August DLF Superflex ADP. 51 overall, QB 12. Daniel Jones is 57, QB 15. As always, we polled it. We got a pretty good response, over 1,200 votes, and it came out virtually even, 51 uh, to the Tua side, 49% to the Daniel Jones side. So, Brian, we'll start with you. Which of these guys do you prefer? So I like them both. Um, I do think 
long term, I'm gonna prefer it, 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 assuming health and and Ethan can maybe speak on to his hip again. I know ad nauseum, buddy, but um, I, I believe that Tua long term has the potential to be just an absolute superstar in the league. Um, so I, I would I but but here's the thing about Daniel Jones. Right now, we've seen him do it. We've seen him produce from a fantasy perspective, and it looks pretty good. I mean, even in a poor offense overall with not necessarily the greatest weapons from a receiving perspective. I mean, of course, he has Saquon Barkley out of the backfield, probably the best catching running back outside of CMC, potentially, if you want to make that argument. We got um, three and a half minutes in before Saquon reference. I, 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 figured <laughs> I'd let, I figured I'd let everybody get warmed up. So, um, but no, I mean, I, you know, it, the, that offense isn't something, it, it's not something where you look at the Giants offense and think, oh, the Giants offense, right? I mean, it's kind of like, eh, maybe some people can produce in that offense, but you know, it's not, it's not, you're not getting excited necessarily about that offense again, outside of maybe individual players a little bit in the backfield. Um, but, but I like I like DJ. I like Danny Dimes. I like what he's done so far. You know, he, I, I think he's, I mean, if you're a Giants fan and you're one of the ones that was complaining about them drafting him, and I understand the arguments about where he was taken because you probably could have gotten him with the second one, right? And and that's the big argument. And that's yeah. fine. I'm not talking about that. But I'm, I'm, but overall, I mean, if you would have drafted him at 17, and he was performing the way he was he is performing now i think you would probably be pretty happy with that so like get over it and just roll with your guy you know i mean i i would i'll give you so i'll, I'll give you uh, from my perspective steelers fan if the steelers would have drafted daniel jones and ben Roethlisberger could not return i would feel pretty good about the state of my franchise so um you know but we're talking about fantasy, right? And I think I think Jones has shown that he can put up some big games, and especially when he's throwing a lot of garbage time stuff. Um, but I do think Tua has an opportunity to go into Miami and to play there for a very long time and to be very, very good. I mean, he's a he's a pretty darn nice prospect. Um, you know, when when you're looking at uh, at his body of work and and what he did in college, and yes, he was playing at Alabama, and yes, those rosters are loaded, but um, you know, he was he was putting the ball where it needed to be, and and uh, I think he'll do that in the National Football League as well. So I would lean slightly to it here, but I like both guys. And Ethan, uh, since Brian mentioned it, uh, and and you're the, you're the doctor here, so. What, what do you think about the two a hip thing and, and just the injury status of him in general? And which guy do you prefer? I prefer Tua. Um, I think the upside is there with Tua. Obviously, the risk is – this is really risk versus reward. I feel like Daniel Jones, who I believe is going, what, QB 15 yep. right now? Where do we think he, he tops out at? I mean, QB 10 tops? I mean, I think that's – realistically, I think that's – a good year, he is consistently getting between that QB 10 to QB 14 range. And so a good year for Tua is like top five quarterback, I think. And so to me, the injury concern is obviously there. His injury history is one of the largest that I tracked in my rookie injury guide this year, uh, going back through all of the rookie injury histories. Tua's I mean, I was, you just got to be straight up with it. I mean, outside of the the linebacker that 
towards AC, two ACLs in college. Like nobody's injury history was even close to Tua's from a severity perspective. The hip dislocation, the ankle surgeries. I mean, he had like four surgeries in four years. I mean, this was this was significant stuff. And so we can't ignore that. If you want to be safe, you go with Daniel Jones because I think he is a safe option, at least for the next three years. I don't see any way they move off of him anytime soon. I think the plan is to build around him. Uh, if you want to go with upside, though, Tua did some pretty crazy things in college. I think we, I think because he ended on such a, a, a poor note with that hip injury and then the stigma about, you know, obviously the injury total as a whole, uh, how, how hurt he was. We forget about just how great he was. I mean, we were talking Tua is like can't miss, number one pick, no problem for years, like two straight years. And then he, he ends up with this hip injury, and it's all of a sudden it's like, well, how good is Tua going to be? I mean, quarterbacks are not notorious for getting hurt. Typically, they might. I mean, they, they might get hurt every now and again, but for the most part, it's the the league has pro- des- been designed to protect quarterbacks. I'm not worried about it um, being a factor in this type of decision because I think we're looking at the next three to five years. And for the next three to five years, I'm going to want Tua more than I'm going to want Daniel Jones. So uh, the injury concerns are there, but it's not something where I'm going to like completely change my mind on him. James, are you going to make it three for three with Tua? I am not. I, I okay. So I, I, I think from a talent standpoint, Tua is probably more talented than Daniel Jones. I think, I think I could say that pretty safely after watching film on both of them. However, what we forget, what we tend to forget a little bit in fantasy is that it's not always the most talented guy that gives you the most fantasy points. A lot of times, it's situation and. Boy, that situation in Miami hasn't been good for a very long time. It's tough for me to envision that Miami situation ever being as good as a giant situation is now. I mean, I know that we talk about guys like Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard and kind of their 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 iffy uh, parts of the offense. But boy, I, I'm I'm buying into Darius Slayton and what I saw last year. He looked awful good, and he looked like he built a lot of chemistry with Daniel Jones, uh, Brian, like you stated, Saquon Barkley. Not only is he a, you know obviously a, a a top talent at the running back position, but he's so good at catching the ball out of the backfield. I think that's only going to help. And if Evan Ingram can ever stay healthy, we know how good he is at the tight end position. I, I just feel like the Giants with that division, they're going to be behind a lot. There's a, there's a lot of teams that are going to score points. Dallas's offense got a whole lot better. I think Philadelphia is still going to score points. You're going to have to keep pace with some of these teams. And to me, I just think that the Giants situation screams more for fantasy points at the quarterback position than Miami's does, especially when you look at Miami's situation. Boy, Buffalo defensively is very good, but offensively, they still have some question marks. There could be some close games there. New England, you know, I, I think that's that's a huge question mark. I think we all would uh, would acknowledge that 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 team, that situation is a little bit more in flux than it has been in years past. And the Jets, I mean, I don't, I don't know that we know really what's going to happen there. Miami could be in a lot of games, you know, coming down to the fourth quarter where that running game is still pretty involved. So uh, uh, just based on situation, based on system, um, I, I like the system that the Giants are going to be running to. I mean, they brought in, uh, a, you know, a head coach that's going to go going to throw the ball. They're going to, to utilize Daniel Jones really well. So, to me, again, we see it all the time. Jameis Winston, 
last year, guys, Jameis Winston's not a good quarterback. That's why he's not a starting quarterback in the league. He's not a good quarterback, but he was a great fantasy quarterback last year, even with the 30 interceptions. Sometimes we don't need the most talented player to get the top fantasy production. We see guys who are just put in better situations, have better game scripts, and are in better, uh, you know, better systems to score points at a at a certain position. I think that's the case here with Daniel Jones. So while I like both these guys and I do think Tua is more talented, I think I would lean slightly towards Daniel Jones. And oh, Brian, were you going to say something? Yeah. So, so a couple things, James, I want to hear you compliment Jameis Winston again, because that was fantastic. <laughs> About how he's not a very good quarterback. How he's a bad no, what quarterback. No, right, right before that. Oh, after that, I said he was a great fantasy quarterback. Okay, there you go. I just wanted to hear it one more time because it's such a rare, it's such a rare yeah, thing. I, so. I, I feel dirty doing it, even saying and, that. And and just to just to 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 touch on the situation thing, I think James is right, and especially this year, um, specifically, I think the Giants are going to be out of games early in a lot of these games. So there's going to be opportunity for Daniel Jones, exactly what James said. There's going to be opportunity for Daniel Jones to chuck the ball around and, and really pad some statistics, even with the interceptions. Again, James mentioned the, you know, that quarterbacks can be fantasy relevant and have majorly big years, just like Jameis Winston did, even throwing interceptions, as long as they're throwing for enough yards and touchdowns. The only thing that I would say to counter that is, is I, I do think that the situation in Miami has improved dramatically since even last season. And I think it'll continue that way. I mean, when you look at their their skill position players, I mean, are they rocking Saquon Barkley back there? No. Are they, you know, the, the, is is Mike Gesicki Evan Ingram yet from a talent perspective? Not yet. No, he's not. He's an athletic freak, but he's got a ways to go uh, to, to be in in that class of, of, of the tight end position. But, you know, the receivers are, I think, a little bit closer. You know, Devontae Parker had a big year last year. Yes, it took him a hell of a long time to break out, which was frustrating for all of us. Um, you know, I do. I really like Preston Williams. I think Preston Williams is going to be a thing in the National Football League. Um, so with Tua at quarterback, I think that that situation will be better. It won't be the typical Miami situation, but I will agree, James. I think this year, maybe even next year, while while two is still kind of acclimating to the NFL game, I think that Daniel Jones can can probably outscore him. Um so so it's a very close this this is a good one, Rock. This is a very close um you know, these two guys from in terms of dynasty value and who I would rather roster. I mean, I want them both, to be honest. I mean, I, I like them both enough that they would be guys that I would target to have as my quarterbacks on a dynasty roster for sure. Right. And to, and to finish it off, I'm going to side with uh, James here. Actually, I'm going with Daniel Jones as well. Uh, I get the two upside argument. But, but but he is a rookie. We haven't seen it in the NFL. And I'm a big guy on, on you know, show me first and, and then I'll buy in. And I also think that uh, Daniel Jones is maybe a little bit better than we give him credit for talent wise. Because everyone's saying, you know, two has got the talent. But I mean, his rookie year, if you pro, especially if you prorate his stats when they weren't, you know, if they hadn't started the corpse of Eli Manning for like, four games or whatever it was, uh, it comes out to 4,036 yards, 32 TDs. 16 interceptions, 61.9% completion, 60 plus 60 plus is good for a rookie. Uh, 32 touchdowns would have set the rookie record. The only guys who, even as is, he had, he had 24. And the only guys who've ever done that in their rookie season are Baker, Peyton, and Russ Wilson. So 
Uh, and 4,000 yards, the only guys who've done that, which, again, he did not do that. But if you prorate it, the only guys would be Luck, Newton, and Winston. So, I mean, he had a pretty solid season for the 12 starts he had. So I would lean him. I, I just, like I said, I like to, to have seen it first. And uh, he also has the, the mobility factor. Not that two is not mobile at all, but um, I definitely think I would go Daniel Jones here. So just like Twitter, we're going to be 50-50. So <laughs> listeners, uh, I guess, take whichever part you like and, and, and go with that guy. Um, but we'll move on to our commissioner corner. So, Ryan, you need a job. Commissioner corner. <laughs> and... I thought we would talk about since we're doing the quarterback theme um, and, and SFBX is, is going to be starting this week because the season is going to be starting this week. We'll see how these settings play out in action. What you guys think of the the quarterback uh, settings that Scott added on this year with the the half uh, half point per completion, minus one per incompletion, minus one for the sacks. Um, sort of Brian last time, Ethan, I'll start with you this time. What do, what do you think of these settings? And is it something we might want to think about putting in our regular dynasty leagues or, or is just a little interesting wrinkle for SFBX this year? I definitely think that it's interesting. Um, you're really punishing quarterbacks that hurt their teams. Um, the, the idea I think behind this, and I haven't listened to what Scott's kind of thought process was, but the idea is that you're trying to eliminate those quarterbacks that are not good for their team, but maybe with traditional fantasy scoring still end up scoring a ton of fantasy points. And I don't, when, when I did hear him talking about this, he did explicitly mention Jameis Winston last season and how much worse he would have been with this scoring setting in fantasy. And I do like the idea of trying to replicate the importance of the position of quarterback, which is the most important position and really benefiting quarterbacks that are actually good at like throwing the football. And so I like the idea of the half point per completion, but also a minus one for incompletion. So you basically have to throw, 67% completions to, to break even. And if you don't, then you're going to, you're going to take a penalty um, for being an inaccurate quarterback. Um, this is going to hurt guys like Josh Allen is not going to probably do as well. Um, I don't think it's going to be a huge impact, but it's definitely not going to, it's going to limit him a little bit this year. Um, and it's going to reward quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, who, throw accurate passes often it's going to reward your russell wilson's it's going to definitely reward your drew Brees uh types of guys so i think that while i don't love the fact that it it to me it makes fantasy a little less fun because obviously like scoring points is like the best part um but i i think overall if you're trying to replicate the uh, effect that a quarterback has in actual football I like that this replicates that in some capacity um, and makes it more puts an puts a an importance on actually being an accurate quarterback, which we always talk about when we're evaluating prospects. And that's a good point. I like that too. That the, especially the completion percentage portion of it. Uh, uh, James, what do you think about the sacks aspect, though? Is, is sacks a quarterback stat? Is that something we should be docking quarterbacks for? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And before I get started, I do want to give a scout a, a shout out to Scott Fish. He, he does a fantastic job every year of coming up with new ways, new formats, new scoring settings that keep us engaged and keep things, you know, it's hard to prepare. You know, you can't just sit back and go, man, I just spent the entire offseason you know, going through the Scott Fishbowl scoring and I've come up with a with a game plan that's almost foolproof. And then yep. he goes and changes the rules on us. So, I mean, good on him. Uh, good on him for doing that. But uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know that these are settings that I would incorporate in a normal league. First off, like you said, Rocky, I'm going to answer your question. I, I do think that sacks are more of a team stat than they are a quarterback stat. There are times when a quarterback is directly responsible for taking a sack. Uh, you know, we see it a lot. A, a quarterback will roll out of the pocket and, you know, be walking down the field and then he'll just kind of go out of bounds. And, you know, someone pushed him out of bounds so they get credit for the sack, you know. And, um, you know, so there's that. There's there's kneeling, you know, the, the taking a knee, um, which is interesting because that, that can be scored different ways. But I so there's there's stuff like that. But I also I, I also want to get to Ethan's point, which is I don't think this just just penalizes inaccurate quarterbacks. I think it also penalizes quarterbacks who are going to take more shots down the field. Uh, you know, if you complete 30% of your passes that are over 60 yards or more, it's not bad. Like you're, you're probably going to take some of those shots, but 30% completion percentage in this format would kill you, you know? So like um, I think guys like Derek Carr, their stats look a whole lot better in this. And I don't know that they should, because when you're dinking and dunking and that sort of thing, I don't, I don't know that, uh, that that really benefits your team as much. So uh, I think there are still some, some flaws with the scoring format, but I, I like messing with those quarterback stats to try to get, like Ethan said, the most important position in football. It should be the most important position in fantasy football. And so I think that's why Superflex kind of, kind of screams out to us because it gives value to more guys but you know changing tweaking that scoring format to to kind of give guys more or you know more value for the higher up guys and less value for the guys that are a little further down on that list which is how it is in the league uh, which is why you know three guys go in the top 10 of the NFL draft almost every year at the quarterback position is because it's so important to get that right. So uh, to me, I, I, I like always tweaking it. I don't know that this is uh, something that I would incorporate in most of my leagues, but, but I'm all for tweaking this and, and kind of seeing how it works out every year, you know? And yeah, I agree. It's, it's definitely interesting and it'll, it'll make for an interesting season in, in South fish bowl. Um, but we actually, uh, Dustin and I created a, a, a dynasty junkies listener league and we we copied the Scott Fishbowl scoring except for these settings. So that kind of tells you where I'm at with it. I, I do think it's a little uh, tough to, like you said, it elevates some guys that are more dink and dunkers. I, I'm not in love with the the sack, the minus one. It can be a quarterback stat, but I think a lot of, you know, at least half of them are not on the quarterback. Uh, Brian, any thoughts on this before we, we move on? I mean, these guys covered it pretty well. Um, I, I want to echo James' comments about Scott and just the fantastic job he does at tweaking the settings every year and really, really making it fun and different from any of the leagues that I play in. I mean, it every year the scoring in the fishbowl is different from anything we've seen, um, and I and I appreciate that. It just makes it a lot of fun, and it gives it gives everybody kind of an equal playing field because. You know, nobody experiences crazy, you know, or not, not many people at least experience those crazy types of settings that 
that really change the value for certain players. So, um, and, and then I also want to touch on what Ethan said in, in, in terms of the completion percentage, you know, if 67% is the break even point, that's six quarterbacks. I mean, six quarterbacks last year during the 2019 season completed over 67% of their passes. Um, Breeze, Carr, Tannehill, Garoppolo, Cousins, and Deshaun Watson. That's it. That's it. Every other quarterback, you know, you're you're taking a, a hit on. So um, they better, you know, if if they aren't the most accurate, then they sure as heck better throw for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns, or or it's not going to be worth it. Um, you're you're going to be better off playing a safe quarterback instead of a good quarterback. And I'm not sure that that does ultimately what maybe Scott was intending to do um, at the position. Um, but, but Hey, I mean, until we try these types of things out, we don't really know, you know, we don't know, we don't know how it, it it's really going to affect things. Um, so again, I commend him for always doing that and kind of tweaking the settings and anything that makes quarter again, it's like James said, anything that makes quarterbacks more important to me is a good thing because they're the most important position in football. And it's proven year after year by where they're drafted and how much money they're paid. And, and I like to your point, uh, Brian, that I, Unless you get one of those elite completion percentage guys and an elite avoiding sex guys, I kind of like that it evens the playing field as you get further down the quarterbacks, whereas you don't necessarily – you could even – I mentioned this way back when when Scott Fishbowl drafts were starting that you could – as you get into those middle quarterbacks, if you don't have two of the elite guys, you could be considering starting a non-quarterback in Superflex just because of these settings, which I think makes it a lot more interesting. You guys agree with that? Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I guess we'll move on to the dynasty strategy portion of the show. Dynasty strategy. <laughs> and he was ready. He, he definitely was. And um, so basically I wanted to just get from you guys. Uh, everyone who listens to this podcast kind of knows my, my super flex philosophy. And I did a whole uh, solo pod about it. That uh, if you haven't heard it, uh, basically it's just I'm not as as uh, adamant about drafting guys early. I'm willing to wait. I like to get three, but I don't need to get them early. Are you guys all as uh, as super flex super show host? Are you guys all drafting quarterbacks early? Do any of you like to wait a little longer? Uh, do have any of you done uh, QBX like 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 Hogue is as uh, put out there? Uh, James, let's start with you. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm going to be on the different end of, of the spectrum than you, Rocky. Um, I. I don't always. I. Okay. So. So let me put it out there. I don't advocate taking a quarterback early, like first round, second round. But I am loading up. I'm. I'm getting four to five to six starting quarterbacks in, in my draft because everyone preaches to wait on quarterback, which means these quarterbacks are going to be cheaper in, in in your startup draft than they are ever going to be on the trade market. And here's the thing. Where do you find another quarterback? Your quarterback goes down. Sure, you could spend all your fab and get his backup. But where else do you find quarterbacks? Running backs you can find on the waiver wire. Receivers you can find. Tight ends. You can stream different positions. But, man, in a super flex when – there's 12 teams and everyone wants at least three quarterbacks, man, they're going to be hard to come by. They're going to be hard to find. So in the draft, I'm going to load up on those quarterbacks. I'm going to take five. I'm going to take six. And then I'm going to wait because someone eventually is going to come to me and go, uh, Hey man, I'm i uh, I'm, I'm four and two. Um, but 
my quarterback just went down and uh yeah what's on the waiver wire just isn't gonna cut it um i got two bye weeks coming up uh what do you do you know and i'm gonna be able to ask for a premium because nobody else is going to be able to afford to give up a quarterback at that spot so um to me that's that's kind of where it's at also you know let's look ahead let's look ahead to next year next year nfl teams get two bye weeks what does that mean for your team that means that you load up on quarterback now because you have now four weeks potentially with your starting two that you have to fill where are you going to find those quarterbacks man you better have a third maybe even a fourth option on your bench if you don't so to me it's it's so valuable to get them because in most scoring formats quarterbacks just score so much more than other positions if they do get hurt or or they do retire which especially now look at some of the starting quarterbacks we got tom brady philip rivers drew Brees, big ben all these guys are guys that you're probably counting on on a weekly basis that could just call it a career at any point in time after this season so to me i'm loading up early and often i want quarterbacks and then i'll hit on running backs and receivers in the rookie drafts that's where i'll spend my rookie capital but yeah in a startup draft i i, I want i want quarterbacks i want five to six at least wow five to five to six is definitely a bit much for me like i said i like to go three at least uh, well no i won't even say at least i like to go three i generally never go more than three and then i'll just mix and match with the three i have um, and I, I don't like to draft him early. And I do think a lot of guys are okay with two and in 12 team format. Um, even if you have your four five and six, um, but, uh, Brian, what do you think? Are you always going early or have you, have, do you do the S, uh, this quarterback extreme or what do you do? So I, so I'm a little bit different when it comes to startup drafts in the sense that I don't. I don't necessarily always go into drafts with a set in stone strategy. I let drafts come to me. Um, so now, now here's what I would say about that. I'll, 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 I'll preface that by saying I would rather be safe with quarterbacks than to be risky with quarterbacks in terms of the number that I have and the quality of them. Um, so I'm probably going to take them earlier than a good portion of, of, people that are playing super flex. Um, I, I don't necessarily take a ton of them super early, but I do want a ton of them too. I mean, I, I need enough. Here, here's the problem. So, so rock, I'm not coming after you here. Okay. <laughs> but, but here's the, here's where I see the problem for, um, for, for not having enough quarterbacks. So those guys that take two, right. Especially, I mean, three, you're, you're most years, three is going to be okay for you until the year it isn't. And then the year it isn't your whole, your whole year's wrecked. It's a lost year. And I think that's where, you know, people like to roll the dice because maybe they haven't had a major injury that's taken a quarterback out or, or they've had, you know, they, they've had good luck in terms of being, you know, successful drafting quarterbacks late and that's okay. And that's why both ways of building dynasty rosters in Superflex are viable ways to build them. I've watched John. I'll speak to John and QBX specifically. I'm in a ton of leagues with John. I've, I think I'm probably in as many with him. Russ is probably the only guy that I'm in more leagues with than John. And that's because I'm in every league that Russ runs, I think, or not every, but most. Um, but, but the, the, you know, Hogue, I've seen Hogue do QBX 
and I've seen him be very successful with it. So it works for him. So he continues to use it. And I think that there's a good chance that if people take that approach, that they could be successful with it too. It's a successful approach to drafting in Superflex leagues. Having said that, I've also myself and 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 I've seen you be very successful in the several leagues that we're in taking the diff- the other approach of of waiting on quarterbacks and not overloading the roster with them. So which is better? Certainly we all have our opinions and we all have our comfort levels in terms of how we build dynasty rosters. But for me, I'm going to let the draft come to me. If quarterbacks are going early, I'm getting in on that because I, I, I'd rather I'd rather follow in line and take and and get a decent quarterback than to wait just for the sake of it to to say, oh, well, all the quarterbacks are going, so I can pick up value here. And now Ryan Tannehill's my QB one, and my QB two is like Teddy Bridgewater or something. I, I don't feel good about that. I, I don't. I, I mean. Good for people that do. I don't feel good about those two guys as my as my number one and number two quarterbacks in Superflex. So typically, I like to get two quarterbacks in the first five rounds. That's typically my that's typically my window. I like to get two starting quarterbacks in the first five rounds. Depends on how the draft falls. If I'm at the top end and I can get my hands on Pastor Mahomes, I'm doing it for sure because he is so much better than everybody else. It's not even funny. Outside of that. It just depends on on who is available and and what you know what what the what the draft does and what people are doing in front of me, um, but but I typically generally speaking I like to have two quarterbacks in the top five and then I try to get one you know I try to get a a third like mid range starter somewhere in the eighth round maybe uh, and then I'll try to pick up a guy that maybe. Um, you know, more, more towards the bottom end of the league, you know, a guy, a guy, I'm going to, I'm going to piss a lot of people off saying Gardner Minshew, but <laughs> a guy like Gardner Minshew or, um, um, uh, shit, I'm having a hard time here thinking tonight. Um, th- those types of players though, the guys that aren't promised jobs after this year, but they're they're but they're probably going to start the full season unless something goes crazy. So, um, I, I, four is the number for me. I always try to have four. Um, I don't always get there depending on the drafts. Um, but I, but I, that's my comfort spot. If I can get four starting quarterbacks and two of them are, you know, QB ones, you know, if I can get two of the top 12, get another one in this 15 to 17 range, and then one towards the but late twenties, then I feel pretty good about the way I've built my squad. It's funny, too, uh, to your point uh, about the draft coming to you. I, I agree with that. When I say about that, I'm all about drafting quarterbacks later. It's not I, I'm not thinking around. I'm not waiting until the fifth round or something regardless or sixth round. I, I'm basically drafting. I'm comfortable drafting my QB one as a guy in the 12 to, to 15 range. I kind of it's kind of why I liked doing that fantasy face off we did earlier, because even there, two is 12. Daniel Jones is 15. You can still get young guys in the 12 to 15 range. So, and you can get security in the 12 to 15 range. So it's not that I I have a certain round in mind. It's more, I'm okay drafting guys who are being drafted as QB two staffers being drafted as a QB two. 
Uh, Hoag's favorite, Aaron Rodgers, is being drafted as a QB too. I- I'm I'm just more comfortable. I just think you're 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 passing on too much talent if you go first round, second round quarterback, which it sounds like Hoag likes to do. And and uh, Ethan, where are you at with that? Man, I just wish I could take such a Brian Har approach to life. He's like, dude, I'm just, I'm just zen, man. I just, you know, the draft comes to me and he just I meditates just, on know, it. And- <laughs> I just, I just wait for the quarterbacks to. I don't pick the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks pick me, man. That's how Brian Har sounds to me when he when he talks about his love of just letting the draft come to him. I always think that's a hilarious phrase. Uh, I am much more a – if I feel like I'm getting a good price for a quarterback, I'm probably going to take him. And when other teams start waiting for quarterback, I'm going to get greedy uh, in some ways with the superstars. So I'm one that, like, say I have the 101. Okay, you're going to go with Chris McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley, whoever you choose your flavor there. I think that's pretty universal, super flex, not super flex. Like you're going to want one of those two guys. If Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes falls back to me at the, at the second, you've done messed up because I'm definitely 100% taking them 100% of the time. It's stupid at that point to wait. And you might say, well, there's no way those guys are going to make it. Okay, that's fine. If I don't like the guy that's sitting there, I'm probably not taking a quarterback. I might double down on running backs and then I might grab three of them. And then I'll look to get three or four quarterbacks that I like. I'm not afraid, especially in dynasty to pay up for a Tom Brady, uh, Drew Brees. I, the older quarterbacks don't really scare me off too bad. Um, because I know I'm going to get a couple years out of them at least. And if I decide, Hey, I can't win this year. I can flip those guys for a pick that could turn into a young quarterback. Um, It's not that crazy difficult. I I don't think if you're an active trader like I am, it's not that hard to move off of those guys. I've just sent out, literally just sent while you were talking. And sorry, Brian, I was listening to your Zen and I thought, man, I need to go make some trades because the season starts tomorrow. I just sent a trade in a league that I'm rebuilding in. I have Tom Brady and I do not want him dying on my roster. Not saying he's going to die, but if he retires after this year, I'm going to be really upset that I still have him on a roster that I'm rebuilding. So I just sent out Tom Brady straight up for a first next year to the five worst teams from this year. And then I w- turned around and did a 2022nd first and a player that I like for the five best teams from last year. And I sent that out to everybody and I'm hoping somebody will bite on that. More than likely, one of those competing teams is going to go, Hey, I don't need, you know, this player that maybe might start for me, but might not. I'm going to give up this first and go grab Tom Brady and compete this year. And that is okay with me. To me, the, that's where the value of a veteran quarterback comes into play because if I'm competing, I keep them. It's great. No problem. And if I'm not, I can immediately, you know, send out a mass trade offer to a bunch of people and actively shop them. And I'm probably still going to get a decent price for them because it's super flex. Um, the other thing is that I tend to gravitate towards drafting quarterbacks in rookie drafts. And you're always going to see those guys fall. And it doesn't make any sense to me. If I told you the number of times that at like the seventh or eighth pick, 
I was able to grab Justin Herbert this year and four or five running backs went ahead of him. Like, no, Justin Herbert's going to pay off immediately for my teams because as soon as he hits, even if I don't need him, I can flip him immediately. I can get one of those running backs plus as soon as Justin Herbert is starting. Um, because more than likely one of those guys is going to be underperforming. So uh, that's kind of how I look at it. Um, in the startup draft, I'm going to take the studs if they're there and somebody's going to let them fall to me. Definitely going to take the studs, but I'm not like trying to like actively trade up for a quarterback. So in a way I take a little bit of a Brian Har. I just let the draft come to me, bro. Uh, but I do tend to try to get two studs, uh, young studs, um, first, and then I'm perfectly content with taking a Tom Brady where he's going right now in dynasty. Um, not so much big banks. I don't trust his arm, but, uh, a Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. Those guys are always going to fall further than they should in dynasty. Um, even Matt Ryan, like we don't think Matt Ryan's going to play for two more years, at least that's stupid to me. So I'm going to grab a Kyler Murray when I can and pair him up with a Matt Ryan. And I'm going to run all over you. Um, with those two quarterbacks, then you're going to be jealous. So that's kind of my strategy. Um, can I can I interrupt no, your Zen James, for a second? Get out of here. You're, you're, uh, Anyone who listens to Superflex show knows that I bully I, James on the regular, and it's normal. You should just accept it. Yeah. Like like Steeler fans normally bully Browns fans. Hey, come it's, on it's now! Terrible. Don't bring me into this too. See? Did, did you see that? <laughs> did you see it? No, uh, but real quick, how, how cool is it that we get to discuss this topic, Rocky, that you brought it up? Because in one quarterback, we don't. We, I mean, this isn't even like a conversation. It's it's it, everyone's like, oh yeah, you just wait on quarterback. You just wait. Everyone waits. Nobody grabs one. Everyone just waits. We wait till the thirteenth round, and then we take one. Like the fact that Superflex allows us to build our teams so many different ways, and that we all have different strategies. Um, just shows you how great that format is and and why it's just uh, taking off like it is, man, because there's so many more options you have to building your team. I just think uh, I, I think it's fun to even talk strategy with it uh, because there's so many different ways that you can do it. Right. And I'm with you there. I've, I've, I've had someone say to me before that I, that I, I, I hate quarterback. I hate super flex because I, I like to wait on quarterback. I, it's the exact opposite. I, I love super flex. Uh, because to me, it's something I can take advantage of that that some people do, in my opinion, that some people do overinflate quarterback value. So I agree with you totally. It's it's definitely the way to go. We're we're definitely a uh, we generally talk about things on on a super flex slant here on, on Dynasty Junkies um, because it's definitely the format. Uh, that 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 everyone should be using, even if they're not. I've, and, and, and by the way, with our, our find me a trades, I've noticed that we get a lot of one. So a lot of people are still playing one quarterback leagues. You need to move to superflex. Um, but also to something Ethan said, I, I like this point about the older quarterbacks. I was just looking at it. You can get uh, Tom Brady at QB twenty six, Drew Brees at QB. That that's part of the reason I like to wait. Drew Brees is QB twenty three. So uh, yeah, yeah. Am I going to lose them in a year or two? Yes, but. But they're still producing. I mean, they're still going to be low-end QB1s at worst, probably. Uh, maybe Brady, a high-end QB2 um, the last couple of years. But but in Tampa, it could go even higher. So, 
that's why I like to wait. You, there's just I just think there's a lot of value once you get be and, and to a point another one you said about Patrick Mahomes. I, I mentioned in my solo pod to me he is the exception. He's got he's such an elite talent and got so much security that that I would be drafting him at, at probably one one or, or at least one o two. But uh, otherwise, after him, maybe Lamar in the top four or five, and then after that, I'm waiting. But uh, let's get into our next question, which is something we've done with all the positions uh, pretty much that we've done so far, which was looking at who's being drafted as a, you know, whatever number one of their position, in this case, QB1. So the top 12 by August ADP are Mahomes, Lamar, Dak, Kyler, Deshaun Watson, Russ Wilson, Carson Wentz, Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Ryan, Matt Ryan, Josh Allen, and Tua, actually. And so I asked the whole group, which of these guys um, that is currently be drafted as a QB1 will not be drafted as a QB1 next year? Who's going to fall out of that group? Uh, Brian, who was your guy? Um, yeah, so on this one, I had uh, who's a QB1 that will not be? I'm trying to look and find <laughs> who I put. Oh, I put Baker. Baker Mayfield uh, is is the guy who I think could fall into. I'm sure so, James so let me to hear that. <laughs> well, so let me preface this for James, too, because I don't want him to think I'm picking on the Browns tonight. Uh, I've done enough Browns picking this week. Um, look, I mean, here's here's why Baker could fall out, because if he doesn't do it this year, he's going to fall out. I mean, they, you know, he has the rookie season. It was a fantastic rookie season. Looks like he's going to be all everything quarterback first, you know, quarterback. The Browns can look at as, hey, this is our franchise guy since maybe Bernie Kosar. I mean, if if we're, you know, if we're being honest with with the, the quarterback stuff. So, I mean, I mean, it was unbelievable. It was a great one of the best rookie seasons we've seen from a quarterback. And then they bring in more weapons and they bring in big names and it's going to be unreal. And it wasn't at all. So I, I just, I think Baker, look, Baker should succeed. I think, I think Baker has just as good a chance as, uh, of succeeding in this Browns offense with the new coaching staff. Um, and, and with the weapons that he has, I mean, for crying out loud, it, they're, they're loaded. They're absolutely loaded on the offensive side of the ball at the skill positions. The offensive line is a lot better. And that was probably a big part of him not doing as well last year as he was on the ground all the time. So I'm hoping that the offensive line, you know, b being upgraded there, uh, is, is going to really help Baker if he performs the way I think he should be able to, then I'll be wrong in this. If he doesn't, though, if he performs like he did last season, he's going to be out of the top. I mean, he's he, he might be out of Cleveland. I don't know. I mean, James might be able to speak on that a little bit better than I can. But I mean, if he doesn't do it this year with all of those weapons and the upgraded offensive line, I mean, it's time to to worry. James, any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting because when the, when the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield, I was uh, I was not a fan, not a fan of Baker at all. Uh, I I still don't love Baker Mayfield. So uh, to me, this is interesting because I definitely saw some of his warts coming out of college at other people. 
glossed over. Um, and then he had his rookie year and everyone just kind of like lost their mind. Um, but I'm actually going to save my thoughts because the quarterback that you chose here, Brian Baker Mayfield is very similar to the quarterback that I chose going into his second year this year. So I'm going to wait a little bit because there are a lot of parallels that we can draw between the two. I really expected James to just like go full Kelly Kapoor and be like, yeah, I have a question. (laughs) Number one, how dare you? That's what I was hoping he would go for, but I know that James is allergic to swagger. So of course he doesn't like Baker. Yeah, no, if you would have talked smack about Nick Chubb, we would have had, we, we'd have had some words, you know, but, um, but yeah, the Baker Mayfield thing, you know, yeah, that the swag, you're right. I'm, I'm not about that. So does nobody see a Baker bounce back then? Uh, Ethan, what do you think? Is Baker going to bounce back from last year and, and be closer to his rookie season or, or, or is he falling out? Like Brian says. I really hope he does bounce back a little bit. I do think that Baker needed to be humbled a little bit. Um, And this is where you learn basically if you're actually full of swagger or if you're just, you're just, you know, uh, you're just not the guy. I mean, you're going to, you're going to learn here because if you're actually full of swagger, you don't lose that with one bad season. You just come right back out. You double down. I'm my biggest concern, and I talk about this a lot with uh, PTs that I work with, is that you have to you have to fall back on what got you here in the first place. And with Baker, that was being brash, believing that he was the best person on the field at all times, throwing accurate passes, and you know basically just leading his team through just. Swagger. I mean, truly swagger. So if he loses that, I am very concerned because once you lose it, if you don't know how to get that back up, build that fire back up, you're not going to be the same guy. And I don't think he's as good without that swagger behind him because I think he makes throws that maybe you wouldn't have expected him to make uh, when he is having confidence in himself. So yeah, I mean, I'm a little worried for Baker. I don't know. He definitely was one that I considered on this list um, for my choice, but I think that uh, just in general, um, Baker has a prove-it year coming up. I mean, he really has to. The team invested everything around him. They've upgraded the offensive line. They've changed the offensive coordinator. They've done everything they can at this point. I mean, you can invest more in a rookie rookie contract quarterback than what the Browns have done with Baker. And if he can't succeed this year, you got to find somebody who can a veteran, um, a, a free agent quarterback, somebody you have to, you have to get in there because this team is designed to win. And uh, yeah. And I, I kind of do like the Baker bounce back just for a lot of the reasons you said, and, and getting rid of Freddie kitchens can only, can only help. So, uh, but since you mentioned it, James, let's get into yours. Cause yours is the, the highest ranked guy of, of anybody that we picked here. So uh, why don't you give who, who you chose? Yeah. I, so we talk about Baker Mayfield, right? And we just talked about how he had a, a, an impressive rookie season and then Cleveland goes out and adds a big name wide receiver in Beckham jr. Right. And we expect huge things from this quarterback from Oklahoma and he kind of fell flat on his face, right? Well, that sounds an awful lot like the the script going into Arizona this year with Kyler Murray, a, a second year quarterback out of Oklahoma, uh, had a very good, very good rookie year, and then they now they bring in DeAndre Hopkins, and everyone is like, man. This guy is going to be a top five quarterback and we're pricing him as a top five quarterback, even though that's his ceiling. That's what I mean. 
does anyone expect him to beat out Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or even Dak Prescott? Like we've seen those guys be top five quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. He's going ahead of some of those guys. Like we haven't seen it yet. We we're basically people are drafting him at his ceiling, hoping that he hits. But if he doesn't, if he does what Baker Mayfield did in his second season, uh, boy, we're, we're hurting just like people were who drafted Baker Mayfield that early last year. So, look, I, it's not that I don't like Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray is going to be a very good quarterback, but let's not overvalue his potential. We haven't seen it yet. You know, Rocky, like you said, man, you're one of those guys. I want to see it first. We haven't seen it yet with Kyler. We've seen it with guys like Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, guys that are at the top of the quarterback rankings. Just slower roll a little bit with Kyler Murray. Let's let's value him and price him right, and uh, and then I'm on board. But right now, with his price and where he's going, man, I could see it. I could see a, a tough year in Arizona. And again, that offensive line isn't very good either. Um, if, if we're critiquing things, that offensive line is is pretty poor. Um, he could find himself on his back a lot like Baker did last year. So there's a lot of parallels right now with those two teams. Uh, so so you know he could struggle, and if he does, you know. Again, you paid you paid for him at his ceiling, just like people did with Baker last year at this time. So uh, I'm out on, on Kyler Murray. I think there is a chance that his value goes down to the point where he's not a first-round pick next year, especially especially with the incoming rookies that we have coming in um, next year, potentially, to the league. And I hear what you're saying, and I definitely think he's being drafted probably above what he should be. I do think that there's a little bit of a difference between being overdrafted and falling out of the top 12 just because, I mean, look at Baker. I mean, Baker had about as as, as bad of a season as we could have expected last year, and we're still talking about him in the top 12. But, uh, Ethan, let's get to yours. Yeah, so my guy here, uh, switching switching gears just a little bit. Uh, I like the I like the logic behind both their picks, and I think it is tricky because we have a lot of young, talented quarterbacks in this group. That if they are even competent, there's a good chance they aren't falling very far. Um, one guy sticks out like a sore thumb, though, to me, and that is Matt Ryan. Um, he's 35, going to be 36 next season we're kind of at that point where just age is just the factor. And regardless of if we think this guy is an incredible quarterback or if he's great for fantasy, as guys get older, you tend to just, they just naturally start falling down the rankings. Um, see Aaron Rodgers as an example. Um, as guys age, they just tend to fall down rankings. So um, if I'm looking at this from a purely age perspective, I'm not really an ageist when I take quarterbacks. But I just know in consensus rankings, a lot of times age is going to be the factor. He's kind of holding on right there at number at QB ten. Um, I do expect with another year, even if it's not a crazy down year from him, uh, from the trend he's had the last couple seasons, I still think he's going to fall a few um, because I think some people are going to move up and he's just going to naturally get pushed down because you're not going to be able to rely on him long term or as long-term as like a Tua or, a, um, you know, a Joe Burrow or a, a Baker Mayfield, even uh, if he puts up another good season, you're just, you're going to want younger quarterbacks. That's just kind of how it works. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. And age just always just pushes guys down. And we, we, we're going to be talking about guys that are going to be jump, possibly jumping in there as well. And uh, all of, pretty much all of them are younger. Plus, like it would be said, the rookies that are coming in next year. I can definitely see that unless he I mean, unless he's like QB two. And even then, maybe who knows? But unless you know, he can definitely fall down to at least, let's say, like 13, 14, 15 in that range. So, uh, just to I'll go through mine real quick and then we'll get to the guys um, that are going to jump in, which is Josh Allen. Um, he's already at QB 11 in August. Um, I don't think he's a very good real life quarterback. Uh, he hasn't completed 60% of his passes in the last few years. He's basically surviving as a fantasy quarterback based on his rushing numbers, especially his rushing touchdowns. He's got eight and nine the last two years. Um, I, I researched it, and no one has ever had eight-plus TDs three years in a row. Only three guys have ever had six-plus TDs three years in a row. That's uh, Dak, uh, Cam, and how about this one, Otto, Otto Graham. I did that. So um, <laughs> James is raising his fist. So um, the Russian TDs are going to regress. So unless you think he's a Michael Vick or Cam like runner, uh, the passing, I don't think even with Diggs, I don't think the passing statistics are going to be good enough. I, I don't think he's had over 20 TDs in either of his first two years and not a lot of passing yards. So he's the guy I think is going to fall out. He doesn't have that fall far to fall anyway. So let's get into our guys that are going to jump into the QB1 range next year. Guys who are not being drafted as QB1s now. Uh, James, you got a, a guy that's pretty popular on, on the Superflex Super Show. So why don't you go start with him? Yeah, I'm taking Drew Locke. And look, again, this has less to do with talent than it has do with uh, system supporting cast, all that. I think, you know, you have Cortland Sutton, you drafted Jerry Judy, you have two good pass catching backs with Melvin Gordon and uh, with Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay isn't as good of a pass catching back as people like to give him credit for, but he's capable there. Melvin Gordon is very good at it. Noah Fant is a fantastic tight end going into his second year. I expect this team to take a step forward and get guys with the news that broke today, Von Miller could miss the season, which means, Hey man, Denver might need to score some more points to be in these games, especially when you're trying to keep pace with a team like Kansas city twice a year. I could see Denver's offense really putting up some numbers and look, I'll be honest. I think you could put me in at quarterback for the Denver Broncos and I'd be capable uh, as a fantasy option. So uh, I don't think Drew Locke needs to be a fantastic NFL quarterback to give you top fantasy production. Um, he also has, you know, some uh, some mobility. You know, he, he can make plays with his legs as well. We know he's got swagger. He's young. Uh, these are all aspects that are going to raise his value uh, in Superflex. And so I think like I said, that supporting cast is going to bail him out a lot of times, even if he isn't very good. And I think uh, he's going to put up good numbers. So I I, uh, I look for Drew Locke to be an ascending asset, uh, a guy in the top 12 this time next year in fantasy drafts. And, and we're agree agreeing a lot tonight, James, because I'm with you there. I've spoken about Drew Locke a lot on this podcast. I And like you said, I basically think he just needs to be a, a, a competent quarterback with the weapons around him. To, to, to have a good season. So, and I think that the Shermer hire, he's done pretty well with quarterbacks. I think that's going to help. So I definitely can see that coming as well. Uh, Ethan, let's go with yours because I, I mentioned to you, uh, this was a guy I was thinking of putting on there. It's kind of cheating a little bit, but, but who do you have? Yeah, this is really low hanging fruit. Um, and maybe, maybe it's not, maybe people listening aren't thinking about it right now. Cause we're getting ready for the NFL season. 
But a Trevor Lawrence, man. I mean, if Joe Burrow can hit the top 12 before he even plays, Tua can hit the top 12 before he even plays. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, man, uh, this has been the guy since he was a true freshman. He's got one more season to play. Um, I just don't see any way, given the hype behind him, everybody already knows his name. Um, And he's been doing it for three years. It's not like Burrow where he had one amazing season and then everyone found out about, you know, about Joe Burrow and, and the swag factor played in. Trevor Lawrence has been doing that since he was like 18. So uh, he plays on the biggest, uh, one of the biggest college teams. He has been doing it. He's a national champion. There's, I just don't see any way that the hype doesn't just continue to build around him, regardless of his landing spot. You're going to want, you're going to have people. I mean, I've got, I've got friends in dynasty leagues. They're stocking up two years in advance to make sure that they have enough ammunition to lock in Trevor Lawrence and I don't necessarily agree with that decision, but the fact is, is that you're going to have somebody like that. That's just obsessed with this guy in your league more than likely. Uh, And so I just don't see any way that the ADP isn't going to reflect that. And he's not going to end up in the top 12 in some way, shape or form. I definitely agree with that because like you said, I mean, Burrow's already QB eight. He only did it one. I mean, it was an amazing year, but he only did it one year. Well, we've been talking about Trevor Lawrence basically ever since he got into college football. Um, so, Brian, uh, I'm just going to give my guy real quick. I'm not going to go into it because we already talked about him earlier, but I'm just going to go. My guy is Daniel Jones. He's at QB 15, so he doesn't have that far to jump up. I, I said all the reasons why earlier, but, Brian, give your guy. Yeah, so I agree on Jones, um, but I, I, the guy I chose was Jared Goff, and I think that's probably going to shock some people. But um, so Jared Goff, I mean, so Jared Goff's not as bad as you think he is, not as a fantasy quarterback. Um, last year he was pretty damn bad, and he was the QB fifteen. Um, you know, year before that QB eight, year before that QB eleven. So I mean. I, I don't, he, he doesn't, he's another one of these guys that doesn't have a long way to go. And can I envision the Rams offense with Sean McVay and how innovative he is? Um, you know, the, the, the emergence of Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett is still a heck of a tight end. They still have Robert Woods. They still have Cooper cup. They add Van Jefferson. Um, you know, they add cam acres into that backfield. Um, it, it wouldn't shock me at all if Jared Goff jumped up back up into the QB one conversation, um, the back end of the QB ones, um, conversation for next year. I just, I think, you know, he's, he's, he's consistently kind of a back end QB one. And I think he can jump right back up there, uh, with another good season with another even decent season. Still, still only 25 years old too. Yeah, and I'm not and like you said. That's a good point. That I think I don't think people realize he's still that young, and uh, I definitely think they're due for some some uh, positive regression in the touchdown department there uh, with Jared Goff. So that's another good choice, I think. And we're running long. We're already over an hour. So let's get into our find me a trade, Brian. Give me it. Find me a trade. Okay, so this uh, roster was submitted by Steve D on Twitter at FF Swirly. It's a 12-team Superflex PPR two tight end league. I wanted to go Superflex because we're we're doing a quarterback show, but as we'll see, this guy, the two tight end is a pretty big factor in this uh, 
in the trades we came up with. There's no premium, but it is two tight end. 28-man rosters that are currently expanded slightly. He starts 10, a QB, two running backs, two wide receivers, two tight ends, super flex, and then two flex. And it's an orphan he took over actually just last week. I was actually, I'm actually in a chat with this guy and I, I saw the team when he took it over. Um, things he can contend. I agree. Pieces are great. Tight ends are not having a hard time valuing the tight ends in two tight end. It's his first two tight end league. Um, he did mention the RB group. He's not in love with either, but um, Ethan, uh, why don't we go with your trade first? Cause I think me and you both kind of just did a similar, smaller, closer to Mine wasn't quite one for one. Yours is, but similar type trade. So, Ethan, why don't you give yours first? Yeah, so uh, I thought that this team was pretty well constructed, but I do feel like you're going to need another tight end or a a better tight end. Um, So I actually have you trading, uh, this guy trading Deontay Johnson for Hayden Hurst. I feel like that's pretty good value uh, for both sides. Deontay Johnson is not really – I don't think you really need him to compete. I don't know if he's going to be starting. I'm not sure exactly um, how um, many players you can start, but uh, Julio Jones is going to be starting for you. Um, Monte Adams is definitely going to be starting for you. And so then you're looking at, you know, Tyler Lockett is a perfectly fine. Sorry. What'd you say? I'm just, if I can interrupt for a minute, this is, this was my fault for throwing it to you too early. I just want to, for the people who are listening and run down the roster real quick. So they know what you're talking about that. No, that was my bad. Um, But the guy, the guy is pretty set everywhere except tight end. He's got, he's got Drew Brees Jones and Matt Ryan at quarterback. He's got Kamara, Aaron Jones and David Johnson as his running, as his main running backs. And he's got, uh, as Ethan mentioned, he's got Devontae. Ad- he's pretty set at receiver, too. Devontae Adams, Julio, Tyler Lockett, uh, Julian Edelman, uh, Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy. He's got Brian Edwards on taxi and even a couple other decent lower end guys, Curtis Samuel, James Washington. But his tight ends are a bit of a mess. He's got Will Disley, Chris Herndon, uh, Cameron Bright, Nick Boyle, Mercedes Lewis. So I'm sorry. That was my bad, Ethan. Continue. Yeah, so uh, basically just what I what I already said. So Deontay Johnson, I feel like, is a luxury for this team. He is the one guy that I feel the least confident in, probably, from the Steelers wide receiver core. Based on where he's going, I still think Juju is going to be the guy there. So I'm not afraid to move Deontay Johnson this offseason. Uh, I've got, uh, I think, a straight-up trade for Hayden Hurst is going to help both teams. Um, I've got to find the Hayden Hurst um, owner, but basically I know that he was, he was short. He was pretty strong at tight end and he was pretty weak at, at wide receiver. So, um, you know, the, you know, he's got Noah fan already. He's got uh, Irv Smith. He's got um, Hurst. And then um, he had somebody else that I was looking at. Um, Tyler Eifert. Yeah, so I I don't love Tyler Eifert, but I think he's going to end up starting. So again, you're looking at three tight ends there, um, but his wide receivers are not super stacked. Um, he could use some some more depth there and to get rid of some of these tight ends that he's got. Even if you're trading him for like an Irv Smith Jr. with a pick, um, I don't hate that either. Uh, but but I do think you're going to need an upgrade at tight end. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big Deontay guy. Uh, but like you said, he's got he's got a lot of receivers there, and Deontay's probably his wide receiver four uh, at best, maybe five. And and like you said, I think in a two tight end league, 
Um, you may have to overpay a little bit for a tight end. That's kind of where I was at as well. Um, I'll go into my trade, which was uh, Jerry Judy. And a second, he has Judy on the roster. is probably his wide receiver five or six, given that he's a rookie. And trying to get Evan Ingram. So I did Jerry Judy in a second for Evan Ingram. Again, I don't know. Maybe some might consider that an overpay. I don't really think it is in a two-tight end league. Uh, I just think he definitely needs to get a tight end. Everything else in this roster is ready to compete. Uh, the team that has Ingram, it's a uh, team. The team is Drogon. I'm trying to find it here. I just remember he, he's not that great of a team. I, I'm not sure if he's rebuilding because he's got some veterans on there, but if he's not rebuilding, he should be. Um, he, Evan Ingram is his only tight end. And, uh, He's got Dalvin Cook, but that's basically his only running back. And he's pretty he's not that great at receiver. His best receiver is probably Will Fuller or Preston Williams or Justin Jefferson. So uh and not that Evan Ingram isn't a guy you can't maybe build around, uh, not build around, but include in a rebuild because he's still young. But I would definitely be looking to move on uh and, and get some uh get a get a Judy and a pick like that. So uh what do you think of that trade, Brian? Yeah, yeah, I think that would be fine. I mean, I, I, I have, you know, Steeler fan, right? So I have a hard time moving away from Deontay Johnson too. I think he has the potential to really explode here this season. Um, and then if the Steelers do end up letting Juju walk, which that's very painful to say, man. Um, but if they do let Juju walk, then Deontay Johnson moves into superstardom as soon as next season. So, um, it, I mean, that's that's tough. Uh, at the same time. Matt Ryan uses his tight ends and Hayden Hurst is going to have an opportunity to perform in that offense. So I think in this format and the emphasis that's put on tight end, tight ends in a two tight end league, um, you know, you, you've got to trade away a good player to get a tight end. And, and that's what this is. And I think um, it's worth doing in this, in this particular format. And James, you think the Judy in a second for Ingram trade is okay, or do you or do you think that needs uh, is Ingram not enough, or or you think it needs more on the other side? What do you think? No, I kind of like it from value perspective. I really do. I, uh, I, 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 Evan Ingram's one of those guys, man, where if he stays healthy, people are going to be like jumping over themselves to draft him or to trade for him. So uh, that that's really the main thing there. If you're trying to compete this year, yeah, you 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 go ahead and package Judy in a second, and you try to get Evan Ingram. I love that. Uh, I think it's a a good value move if if you're trying to win this year. Um, again, if you're trying to build for the future, right? Though, and, and uh, this. Guy definitely has a roster like that. that can compete this year. So Brian and James both went a little bigger trades than me and Ethan did. Brian, you want to get into yours? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so here's so this, my my trade was Matt Ryan, Tyler Lockett, and Cam Brate um, to I drink and I know things for Mitch Trubisky and George Kittle. Um, and so here's here's the thing: in a two tight end league. If, if you don't have two tight ends, you go get one that can score like two tight ends. And George Kittle's that guy. So, um, you know, super flex, Matt Ryan's going to hold quite a bit of value, or he should, at least based on, I mean, based on the conversations we've had tonight, if you listen to us and listen to us, damn it. Um, <laughs> you know, Matt Ryan should have some significant value. Tyler Lockett is the number one wide receiver in Seattle. 
some might argue that DK's getting there, but he's not there yet. And 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 the rapport that uh, Russ Wilson and Tyler Lockett have is significant. Um, Cameron Bray to throw in, um, and and then Mitch Trubisky, right? Um, so I, I put Mitch Trubisky on this paper. I would do this trade without Mitch Trubisky in it. I don't love the idea of sending a quarterback and not getting one back, so I put Trubisky on here. Um, but in in terms of how much value does Mitch Trubisky hold? I mean, realistically, you probably should be able to get him back even in this format. Uh, but if you can't, uh, then I think, you know, I, I think that I would do this deal for Kittle alone just based on the fact that he can carry you at the position. You really don't need a second tight end. Um, I mean, if you have one, great. If Chris Herndon turns into something, great. Um, but go big or go home. Yeah, and I like this trade too because uh, I like the way you lined it up that for one thing, Mitch uh, Trubisky, the guy that the our the, the, the roster that we're trading from, uh, he would leave him with basically. He has Daniel Jones and Drew Brees. I don't think I mentioned when I went down the roster. He also has Nick Foles, so he would have the Bears starter. So we'd still have really three QBs, regardless of who the Bears starter is. And then uh, the guy you're trading him to has uh, that you're you're that kid you're getting Kittle from has Higby and Ertz. So it's not like he, I mean, not that he wants to, you know, nobody can necessarily afford to lose Kittle, but if anybody could, maybe this guy could. So I definitely like what you're doing there. And like you said, throwing the quarterback back, even if you don't get Trubisky, I agree with you. I, I think that would help it even more that the guy's getting a quarterback. He's only got two plus Trubisky. So if, if, if he's like uh, you guys and, and definitely once a third all the time, that would definitely help there. So, James, uh, that just leaves your trade, so let's get to it. Yeah, so I, I went over this roster for Jon Snow, and it, it's, a, it's a good roster. It really is. Uh, it's the kind of orphan that you want to take over. Uh, but there, there are some things that don't, uh, I don't know, they don't really match up perfectly. So, for instance, uh, having Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, kind of, it, it, it's suboptimal. It's okay. Cause Kamara can, you know, he catches a lot of passes, but like, you know, one, one could vulture the other. And so that, that, you know, that is, isn't fantastic. And then looking at the wide receivers, having Deontay Johnson and having James Washington, it's kind of suboptimal too. Like you, you hope you hit on one of them, but like, if you do, then the other is probably a miss. Right. So, um, so I, I kind of looked at that and thought, well, maybe I can take some of these, some of these pieces, some of these, uh, these mix and match type pieces and, and put them together and and try to try to come up with a deal. So basically, here's what I had. I had uh, John Snow dealing uh, the, the team name is John Snow, John Snow dealing Drew Brees and Deontay Johnson uh, away in a deal uh, to a team called the Hound, which uh, obviously this is a, a Game of Thrones type, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, to the Hound and in return, getting Ryan Tannehill who I think is a step down from Drew Brees, but a younger option at a position that uh, is optimal. Um, uh, the, the team, the Hound, uh, just you know, so everyone knows, also has Joe Burrow, Jared Goff, and Cam Newton. So there's some youth there at quarterback could use a guy like Drew Brees on his team to kind of compete for now. So I think that this 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 could make sense for both teams. Um, also, uh, you, he would get Tannehill. He would also get Mike Gusecki, uh from a team who has Mark Andrews, Ryan Griffith, David Njoku, Jordan Reed, some other options there for tight end too. Uh, getting Mike Gusecki and also getting James White. Uh, the reason why this deal to 
me is is attractive is a I don't think you're taking too much of a step down at the quarterback position, especially because you have two quarterbacks in Daniel Jones and Matt Ryan that I feel good about. You can you can use Ryan Tannehill as your QB three, and I'd be okay with that. Um, so you're taking that step down there, but boy, you're adding a tight end, a Mike Kosecki, a guy who I think you're buying low on now, who is uh, is is set to to break out. I really like Mike Kosecki a lot, and then you also get James White. And the reason why I think the Hound might do this is because. Well, he, he has James White and then he has Sony Michelle. And the problem with that is that James White just isn't a, a handcuff to Sony Michelle. They're kind of independent of each other. Um, you know, one has a clear cut passing game type role, and the other guy is the guy who's going to get the, the ball at the goal line. I can never see wanting to use these guys in the same week. Um, and even if one goes down, I don't think the other's value goes up. You know, so uh, to me, having these guys on that roster, both of those guys is, is suboptimal because you're, you're just not going to use them both in the same week. So, uh, yeah, I, I analyzed this trade, thought, OK, a three for two. I'm dealing away two guys that probably have uh, a little bit of a higher ADP and more value. Uh, but in turn, I'm getting a tight end. I'm getting a running back who he. he uh, John Snow did also say uh, his running backs make him feel a little uneasy, even though I think he's got three really good ones. Depth could be an issue. Um and, uh, and also downgrading a little bit at quarterback and getting a younger option there. So um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I kind of like all the trades that we came up with. Uh, I'll sometimes, you know, even with the guests, disagree with what the trade they came up with. I mean, the only issue I could see with this one at all is that the drop-off from Mike Kosicki to his tight, other tight end twos is, is kind of steep. He's got Jordan Reed uh, and Joku and Griffin. If he's... It looks like he may be trying to compete this year. So that that's the only issue I can see. But, um, I mean, he's getting Deontay Johnson, who's got all that hype. And, and Drew Brees, like you said, I think is an upgrade on Tannehill for 2020, um, if not long term. So, And I like getting James White back, too. I think he's perennially underrated and uh, generally finishes at least in that RB2 range. And he guy, the guy did mention in his little description, team description, he doesn't feel totally solid with his RBs. He's only got really three that he can start in a two running back league. So um, I definitely like that one as well. And I guess that'll finish up finding me a trade. So I guess we're going to sign off. So I want to just give you guys all a chance to, you know, give your Twitter handles, promote the your pods, anything you're doing. So Brian, why don't you start off and we'll go clockwise and finish this up. Yeah, so I'm Brian Har at Brian Har FF on Twitter. Uh, I'm a member of the wonderful show represented so so well here this evening, the Superflex Super Show. Um, I'm also a member of the the Trade Addicts podcast and the DAP Network um, that this show is is a part of as well. Um, yeah, uh, that's pretty much where you can find my stuff. You can find me in the forums over at DLF too. Um, Ask Team DLF forum. I'm around there occasionally. Um, not as much recently, but I'm trying to get back into it a little bit. Um, haven't written shit forever, so <laughs> apologies on that front. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, listen listen to to the Superflex Super Show uh, guys here. Um, it, it it it's it's an amazing team to be a part of. Uh, we have a lot of fun over there, um, and I think we provide a pretty entertaining show for an unbelievably awesome format. Um, that if you haven't experienced yet and talk to us because we'd love to get you into a league um and you know get you to be a part of the super flex army so um yeah so that's me okay james 
Oh, awesome, awesome. Uh, mine's going to be real quick because I'm not a big shot like Brian or a doctor <laughs> like Ethan. Um, you can find me at underscore James the Brain on Twitter. Uh, you can find my Superflex rankings at DynastyWeekFootball.com. And, uh, and that's pretty much it. Um, you can find me on the uh, the Superflex Super Show as well. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at Superflex Show as well. Um, we don't always do a, do a great job of getting to uh, to DMs on there. So DMing us individually is is uh, probably a better idea. But uh, we do get on there as well. Uh, make sure that you follow us. We tweet out all sorts of, uh, of good updates and that sort of thing. I'm going to throw it over to Ethan before he falls asleep because uh, he was just yawning like nonstop over there. So. Uh, Ethan, I'm sorry to bore you, sir. Hey, I've had a long day, okay? I worked for like 10 hours, and then I had to turn around, and I'm just happy that I get to talk about football for fun at night because it's like the only free time that I have, so at least I get to talk about football. Uh, my name is Ethan. Um, you can call me Dr. Turner if you want to, but I'm not usually that official. Um, you can find me on Twitter at eTurnerFF underscore PT. Uh, obviously on the Superflex show every single week, um, at least once. I'm pretty busy this year with just life in general, but I am trying to make at least one appearance uh, a week on the show so I can give you injury updates. Uh, I also do injury updates for the fantasy headliners on YouTube. Pretty much all of my stuff is going to be on YouTube this year. I've really made a, a, a concerted effort to switch from uh, writing to podcasting to now video. Um, I really think we've got a really good thing going over there at the Fantasy Headliners. Uh, if you want, if you're interested in getting some injury info, I do write one thing now every year. Uh, my rookie injury guide came out earlier this year. Um, I'm getting ready to update it. It's taking so long because now players are getting hurt like while I'm updating it. So it's taking forever. But you can find that on the fantasyheadliners.com. It's 10 bucks. It's injury histories for uh, over 100 rookies that came into the league this year. You're going to want that injury history data because you can't get it anywhere else. You can go on these other websites and they've got their cute little algorithms about injury risk and all that. Most of them don't incorporate the college injury data. I'm the only one that does that. So it's, it's just, it's super vital, important information to know. Um, so definitely go check that out. Help me out. Um, I really appreciate it. And then uh, obviously you got to like, go, go check out the show, the Superflex show, you got to do it all because if you didn't enjoy this podcast, you just, you're not enjoying anything. So if you want to learn about quarterbacks, like that's what we do. That's our thing. So definitely go check that, that out as well. Yeah. I definitely uh, back up everything these guys have said about the super flex super show. If somehow which would be a surprise given they have many more listeners than we do, but if somehow you're listening to this show and not listening to the super flex super show, you should be go listen to them. But um, that's going to do it for us this week. I want to thank everybody for listening. Again, I'm Rocky Petrella at Dynasty FF Addict. My co-host who could not make it tonight is Dustin Church at Dynasty Junkie FF. You can follow the pod at Dynasty Junkies and also the DAP Network at DAP underscore network. Subscribe, rate, and review to the pod, to the DAP Network. We really appreciate it. It helps us out. And... That'll pretty much do it for this week, and we'll be back next week, and we'll have actual football to talk about. I can't wait. Junkies out.